Welcome to season two, the Acosta Institute podcast. In this season, we curated interviews with nine educators, community leaders, and practitioners who use their deep understanding of trauma to create conditions for collective thriving. We call them wounded healers, a concept that finds its roots in both Carl Jung's work and Greek mythology. For Jung, the wounded healer represented the sensitivity and understanding of one's own wounds and how this informs helping others to heal and transform. In this interview, we sit with Luis Alejandro Tapia, arrest advocate and social impact and equity consultant. The instinct to challenge is one that for many people is not like a first resort. I, I, I'll speak for myself, you know, like I grew up in a place to be conflict averse, right? Like, oh, like I'm not into conflict. But then on, on the like other end of that, like to meet conflict with like a full, like heavy hammer, right? Like if you ever call me out, out my name, I'm just going to smash, you, right? Or, or the opposite of that, right? It was like, like either zero or a hundred real quick. And so I think that the, the competency, it is a competency, it's a skill to be able to like question, challenge something to really, to really notice first, become aware of like this thing and be like, yo, like, huh, damn, like, but why? Knowing that you might be up against a lot of people that are just like that they respond to you because or because I said so or because I'm going to lock you up or because you're going to get in trouble or because you're going to get fired. Right. And to still be able to like have the courage to question something. Right. The curiosity to question something. I think I think it's like it's a major tool in like unlocking what healing might be for someone. Right. To be able to say, like, wow, I, like. I responded this way in a certain situation or this thing happened to me, you know, in my life. But why? Why? And to be able to think that, huh, maybe there's something else behind that. Why? Instead of like a because and that that's something else also enforces your journey of healing. Right. So it, the connection between. The, the challenging, right, challenging tropes, challenging stereotypes, challenging cultural perceptions, challenging even history, right? Whether it be the one that you're taught in school or your own, like your own history, familial history, uh, I think is a pathway to healing, right? It's kind of like, I'm sure you heard of that thing about like in order to get to it, you need to go through it, right? And so there's a certain awareness that that, that building up your skill to challenge things in a generative way that I think makes space for the possibility of healing. The distance between you and that healing, you know, may really be uh, based on your own uh, ability to question yourself, to question um, certain things that have happened to your life or even the people around you. And so I think that once we kind of like dig into that, like and, and navigate those what might be a possible barrier, it opens up a lot of space, a lot of space. And in that space, you know, there's healing.
wherever there's change happening um, that is for the benefit of black people, of people of the global majority, of genderqueer folks, of people with different abilities. You know, so wherever though that is happening, wherever people have decided, whether it be, you know, like a formation, whether it be, you know, a, a group doing movement building, whether it be a group, you know, like in an academic setting talking about systems and systems thinking, where people have decided, yo, we're going to change this thing for the better. That's the space I want to be in. Right. That's the space that I work to kind of like bring, you know, my perspective, uh, my cultural kind of insight into things because I, at first I want to be part of that change. And also I want that change to be sustainable change for myself, uh, my loved ones and people that are like me as well. Right. And so there's a lot of change that's, that's happening that, that really we don't get a chance to voice our opinions into, right. Or offer insight into like, yo, what, huh? Why did they change this? This don't make sense for me. Uh, and so what that's looked like is, is a career in education, a career in nonprofit uh, development and community development and youth development in that the only true constant is change, right? That's the constant. We know for sure that things will not stay the same. And so for me, it's always been a study about like, okay, well, if that's true, how can I be better at change? How can I contribute to change? How can I shape change? Uh, and so... In education, you know, now recently moving into the healthcare sector, some movement building, you know, organizational settings, youth development, community development. Again, where people are wanting to do things better, I want to be part of that. Grace Lee Boggs, revolutionary uh, activist, uh, Asian American woman from Detroit, uh, says that something to the effect of transform yourself to transform the world. Right. Which is different from like the Gandhi thing that says, be the change you want to see in the world. Right. And, and I think that Grace Lee Boggs call of transforming yourself to transform the world is really, I think, well, first of all, it's much more humbling. Right. Than like assuming that if you just kind of like be the thing you want to see, then things in effect will shift. Right. I think that Grace Lee's call is really about like knowing that there's work to do and that. A lot of the things you might see out in the world might be a reflection of you. And so if you can understand yourself, right, if you can create uh, effective, sustainable change within yourself, within who you are, within your relationships, really, then that really will in itself, in a way of, you know, create effects around the world, right? In the work that you do, in the relationship, how you show up in partnerships, how you show up in your work, how you show up with your children, and that, in effect, is changing the world, right? That is a transformation in itself. Uh, and so healing, healing is that. Healing is that work uh, that you get to do because, in, in essence, the work that we're also doing in education specifically, right, it's about healing the inequities that have existed inside of the ways that we learn uh, and that we understand the world to work. That can't happen if you're not doing that work yourself, there's something, you know, something about being a wounded healer, something about recognizing yourself as a healer. Um, yeah, but, but I think more importantly in that is, is the awareness that something has happened to you and that that something can give you feedback, right? It can give you information. It can give you insight into 
what can shift for you, right? Uh, and then that experience allows you also to share that information, share that knowledge, whether it be with your best friends, whether it be with an educator, a photographer, et cetera, right? It's kind of like there's, there's a certain awareness to, to self that also opens up. It just opens up, you know, the ability to, I, I think, to have um, a permanent learner stance, right? Like, oh, wow, this thing is happening, right? And I might, I might see it as a failure. I might see it as like a fucked up situation and it might well be. And also, there's something in there for me. How can I find out what that is, right? And like apply it and also pass it, pass it down, pass it up. reference to you know what you're witnessing as a lot of bubbling up of um challenging norms around mental wellness around mental health around speaking up about these things about uh feelings right it's not a new thing right i think something that i'm very grounded in is that that for as long as the suppression of these things have existed uh, so has the resistance to them. Feel me? And I think that given the rate at which we receive and acquire uh, and send information, right? I think that it makes it much more apparent. I think the difference between like anything that you, ha- you know, that you wanted, any type of message that you wanted to kind of like send to anyone had to happen over like a phone or had to be in print. Right. And then like who had access to those things? Feel me? Given now, you just gotta kinda get on like online, beam a message out, right? And like twenty-four thousand folks may see a tweet, you know, inside like a three hour uh time span. And so I think there's something to say about like the rate at which we're receiving information, right? Um, through technological advances, through like blogs, through uh, platforms like Instagram, books, right? Before you had to go to like a book. I mean, you still got to do that. You still got to go to a bookstore. And now you could get that overnight. Now you could go online and just kind of have the book read to you. And so I, what I want to say is that it's always been there. I think that right now, man, I think there's having to do with astrology, right? There's a There's a lot going on in our galaxy, always has been, right? And I think that there's a certain aspects in the stars, but also in like people's hearts around like, yo, I've had enough. I think that there's the, the I've had enough. I think there's also the like, yo, actually, I want to do something important with what I have. That people are really feeling that there is nothing else but to name what's happening to them. Naomi Osaka, right? She's like, yo, i show sure you've seen the documentary, right? Like she's shared like, yo, I have to do something. I don't know what. I don't know what. And she, you know, experimented with a few ways to really use her platform, you know, to really push the conversation. Um, and that's not something that I feel I, I thought that a celebrity would do. Like from, from the things that I've learned about 
you know, people reaching platforms at that level is like, yo, if you want to, if you want to keep your money, you got to shut up and dribble. Right. And so I think that there's been like such a, like, uh, um, an immense amount of resistance at one particular time by a lot of organized, you know, people that is, it's been able to kind of breach, you know, the, our platforms, the platforms that we're looking at, you know, in time, well, first of all, in a time when those platforms didn't exist before, but also in ways that we didn't understand certain things. You know, so back to the conversation, I think about like men and mental health. I would say black people and mental health, right? We're tired, right? And so, so first it's about like, how do we get authority over our own rest? How do we get that? How do we get authority over our own rest where, you know, what we've been taught is like, you got to grind. You sleep when you die, right? In order to reach this thing, then you need to sacrifice your mental wellness, your health, your relationships, et cetera, because it's lonely at the top, right? And what I've seen is a lot of those people at the right time challenge that, right? And, and like resist that and be like, nah, I'm taking a break now, <laughs> right? I'm going to, no, I'm not going to do that. Or like, nah, I'm not going to answer this email, right? Like those, those micro acts that are really huge acts, I think are just being reverberated, you know, throughout like the whole black universe. You feel me? Where it's like, yo, like, nah, we... There's something about boundaries that we're like exploring right now, I think as a culture that we're really getting to really like experiment with, right? Like setting boundaries in that, like, that's not, you know, I ask people, what's a Dominican word for boundaries? None really, right? Like there's, what's the Caribbean word for boundaries, right? Like none really. And I think that there, there's an awareness to boundaries and to the necessity of those boundaries in order for us to survive as a species that's necessary. And that's what's happening right now. That's what we're seeing. I would feel anxious just like being in my room, just like napping, chilling, right? Like growing up, I had to be doing something, right? Either, either I had to be doing something in the house or I had to get out the crib, right? And so I'm like, yo, I, you know what? I'm just gonna play ball on Dykeman. I'm just gonna be in the courts the whole day because I, if I know I'm at home, Son, there's something that's going to, my mom's going to be like, oh, you didn't, you, you need to get up. You need to do this. And it's like, yo, nah, man, I, I would just want to rest. Right? Like there's something about you being able to role model what rest might look like um, to other people, but also hold space for them to do that as well. Right? Where it's like, yo, I got you. Take a breather, whatever that looks like for you, right? I mean, also understanding that rest looks differently for other people, right? And that nothing, nothing is forced, right? It's, it's about consent. Like, yo, what, what does it, at least explore, explore what might be restful for you and do that thing, right? And it starts with small experiments, like actually taking a nap, right? Even though you feel like, oh, oh no, I got this thing, right? And you might see like, oh shit, nothing burned, right? Like, People still went on. That thing still got done. They figured out the thing that they were trying to figure out. And you also were able to rest. I know that there's this thing about, like, what good are you, you know, to, like, to a project or to to your career or to work if you are spent. But I think beyond that, you know, what if what if our existence were not based, was not based on, like, 
a purpose to do something, right? What if it was just like, yo, like, you made it. You're here. You're born. Welcome. Great. Just be, just be a human and enjoy, and enjoy this life as, you know, as much as you can. You know, like, what, what if that was, like, the basis of our existence and not, and not productivity? There's a way to influence behavior. Um, there's a way to create change in the world, right? Um, and how can I learn to do that? Feel me? I think it was just like a real pragmatic thing about like being able to innovate, being able to create, right? Um, seeing human interaction as like an art and a science at the same time that I really wanted to like hone in on. You know, like what what made MLK think that he could change this thing when like nothing in his experience or prior to that showed him that that was possible? What? How? What? Right? And so I think that I took that like that question serious, Right? Like, oh, so then how can I be a person that thinks about the impossible? I think that took me into a path of like psychology, right? Psychosocial behavior, human development. Uh, and at the same time, I was working in the youth development sector. And so that was kind of like a lab also, right? Like how, how can I create change in these young people's lives? How can I create change in the spaces that I have like some sort of leadership in? And then the second part is I listened to other people, right? The feedback that I got in those spaces was like, yo, you're pretty good at this thing or, hey, you do this thing well, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I'm going to believe that, right? And I'm going to, and that gave me some courage and some confidence to like do it in bigger ways or take bigger risk. Um, and then I'll say, you know, the third thing is um, finding other people uh, that were, that was doing that work as well finding other people, right? Like really, I would say humbling myself in a way that I was able to be like, wow, who else can I learn this thing from? And believe me, like, yo, that there are other people doing this stuff. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's how I met a person like Angel Acosta, right? person like Adrian Marie Brown. Yeah, people like Yolanda Silly Ruiz, right? Like being able to just, without, not, without any type of, I would say like written evidence, but just believing, yo, there's, there's got to be other people thinking about this shit, right? There's got to be. There's got to be. I don't believe that I'm the only one. And so I, I would say those ways, right? Kind of like the Star Wars story, right? The, the thing about Star Wars is like that the freaking empire wants you to feel like you're the only one doing this Jedi shit out here where you at, right? And so when you believe that, you're like, damn, fuck, fuck this Jedi stuff, right? You know, but once you start to like think like, wait, hold up. No, there's actually, that's, that's a fallacy, right? What I need to do is connect with the other Jedis, right? And once, once I kind of started in that journey, I was like, oh, got it. Okay. There's a whole, there's a whole galaxy of us, right? Our job is to really find each other. 
Thank you for listening to season two. We invite you to reflect on the many ways in which you are a wounded healer yourself. We want to thank Paper Monday for helping us curate these interviews and the photographs that accompany them. We want to thank DK and Joe Barat for the sound engineering. And thank Maria Tan at the House of Thriving for co-producing this season. Stay tuned.